Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I'm your host, Nelia Hutt. I am so excited to meet my new friend online, virtually, but it feels like she's right here in front of me. You know, sometimes these relationships, they just feel so, so close. Um, I'd love to introduce you to Susan DiLorenzo. How are you, Susan? Nelia, it's nice to be with you. Thank you. I'm really enjoying already. Nelia and I have already been chatting away and we're loving it. <laughs> yes, I love genuine conversations. It's just beautiful. So you guys are in for a treat. You know, this podcast is all about how things sometimes can break us, um, but we don't have to let them. And Susan is here um, to speak to us about, you know, some, some of these topics. And I just want to let you know a little bit more about who she is. And, and um, yeah, so grab something comfortable, grab blanket, or if you're in your car, yes, keep an eye on the road. But please, you know, if you've got it, if, I know that there's going to be things that are said today that are going to be brilliant in, during our conversation. So if you have to pause and come back to it later. <laughs> I was saying, no pressure, Susan. Yeah, you can be brilliant. Come on. Oh, no pressure <laughs> at all. So Susan, she is a coach, but she's also a breast cancer survivor. She helps women who are emerging from life-altering adversities, which is all of us, really, and guides them to evaluate the insights and the wisdom that such times hold for us. She believes that dark times hold gems. And I really want this to be the center of our conversation today because I really know that this is going to help a lot of our listeners. Um, I want to say so many things about already, like I just met Susan and she's just an incredible listener too. You know, we were talking and people don't think that that's a skill, but I just... I love it. We were having this engaged conversation before we hit record, and maybe I'll actually share a bit of it later on. But I can just tell she's easy to work with, that she cares about what she does, that she's passionate. But she also has the training behind her coaching. She has personal uh, story that I think she will share with us today on how she got here and why she became a coach and why this is important to her. Um, she's also got a book that she's in the work that is in the works. So I'd love for her to talk a little bit about that. And Susan, where are you, where are you tuning in today? Where are you located? Oh, I'm now as of a year now, I'm in Nokomis, Florida, which is on the Gulf coast, south of Tampa, right near Sarasota, Florida. Sounds and warm. 
It is super warm in the summer, <laughs> but uh, it is beautiful. And I have really, it's been, uh, you know, we're talking about adversity and I was sharing with Nelia just a little bit about what, you know, sometimes you think you gave at the office when it comes to adversity, like, boy, that was awful. I, I'm sure nothing, you know, that must have done it for the rest of my life now. The rest should be at least not as bad as that. This year, uh, really rivaled almost going through breast cancer and then uh, followed up with divorce. And I'll share that story with you. But yeah, that was uh, the year of moving to Florida, getting uh, what I believe was COVID, uh, getting through a very exhausting uh, illness, and then um, having to take care of my younger sister who was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Uh, what seemed very suddenly as I was moving into a new home, uh, all of us rallying as she's a single mom and having to uh, care for her, she deteriorated so fast. It was like caring for a baby. You know, she just was so weak and uh, couldn't think straight. It was exhausting. And I wasn't still very strong yet. And then she passes away two months later after we did, you know, it was just so fast, devastating. And I think that's why I ended up sleeping uh, from the middle of May to maybe August. I just did not have any life force energy, uh, very little. I just had enough to just coast and sit in the sun or sleep. And so I finally... Um, started getting it back just by doing a little bit of yoga in the morning and going for a walk. And all of a sudden, I felt like some more energy going through my body. And I took a little more interest in what I was doing. I was always coaching. I managed to still coach my clients. And I never lost the love of that. And I think that was my anchor mm -hmm. uh, doing all of this, that it was like, no, you're still here. Your sister's gone. The life you used to have in New England is gone. But you, this is what you do. And it's just that little reminder when I'd get on the phone with these folks every week, I'd be like, oh, yeah, this, I love this, you know. And then I went back and I started working on my manuscript again and with fresh eyes. And yeah, now I, um, I'm having a happy life in Florida and not a, a very disoriented life. <laughs> Yes, you've been through a lot in a very, very short amount of time. It's like compounded losses, right? It's yes. just, it's tough. We were talking about grief and how, you know, for me, it was one of the things that I felt broke me. And I know a lot of what we want to talk about today is how do you get through all of that? How can you see the gems, as you call them? How can we see the gifts? Um, when we're faced with all of this sadness and heartbreak and it's hard, you know, sometimes when we're in that moment, we can barely even lift our heads. No. So when people say, Hey, you know, there's, there's a good side to this. We're like, what do you mean? Are you crazy? But little by little, you learn to see those sides. And it, it, why is it so important? Why would you think it's so important for us to be able to see the gifts in, in tragedies and adversities? Well, equally important is, yeah, we are allowed to have feelings, but I think when we're in the middle of something like grief or about to lose someone, I think you were sharing that you knew your father was passing, or, or I don't want to expose too much of your story if you don't want, but um, 
we can get ahead of ourselves with the emotions. At, uh, somebody, I just learned this phrase, anticipatory grief. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're already going down the road of uh, sadness and despair before we even get there. And I think we can do that in any adversity. Also, when I was diagnosed with cancer, um, I already had one foot in the grave. I just, and I had an 18 month old baby and I immediately thought, oh my God, he's not going to remember me. He's not going to remember how much I loved him. Uh, My mother died, her mother died when my mother was 18 months old and she didn't remember her mother. So I was just like, oh God, no, don't let that happen. Well, the cancer, while it was invasive, didn't kill me. (laughs) It wasn't fun. But our minds, I want you to notice how our mind almost wants to go to the worst thing and then think, okay, what am I going to do about that? What could I possibly do? How can I, it's almost like you're testing your, like an impulse um, in your brain, like, okay, if this happened, what would I do? Because there is that side of us, that little problem solver part of us that's like, well, if that happens, I'm going to do this. Um, you know, we talk, think about the number of, I mean, the next one that happened to me was that my husband left <laughs> after treatment ended. And um, that was when I went up to the bathroom and yelled out to God do you think I could just have a year off? <laughs> mm. Because it was really um, a one-two punch that I was like, you got to be kidding me. I was all happy. I'm done with treatment. We had a big party in the yard. I thought, wow, now where was I in my fabulous life? <laughs> Which right. really wasn't so fabulous. I think that was my wake-up call uh, to get a fabulous life. Mm. But you're asking me about pulling that gem and I think it's in the present moment we you know I was describing how we move ahead of that moment and we're anticipating grief pain despair uh not enoughness that we don't have enough within us to handle whatever is coming our way and what I find adversity does it demands things of us that are in there that we didn't know we had courage uh, compassion, patience, trust, faith. I had to call upon all those things. And it wasn't like, you know, I was handed a menu. Which one of these would you like to use today? You know, I just said, oh, this calls for this. Um, I started with a journal and I would write about all um, the medical decisions I had to make and all the meetings with the doctors. I'd bring that notebook and I'd be like, okay, I can have this kind of reconstruction, I could have this kind of chemo, I could have reconstruction later. And, uh, you know, just so many, and, and I had like four or five surgeries. So I was meeting with like uh, two oncologists and two different surgeons. Um, so I had a lot of notes and a lot of confusion, but the main thing I started doing was affirming in my um, notes, I have the best doctors, I have all I need in support. And I would just start, and I didn't know a whole lot about this stuff before. I felt like I was downloading and just started affirming 
uh, and calling on, you know, I was taken to church as a kid, but it wasn't always, I liked singing in the choir, but I wasn't really into the liturgy as much. And uh, it, I just remember at one point, I, you know, some of these really severe lines, I'd be like, hey, I thought this guy loved us, you know, because <laughs> they were like, you know, you can't even eat the crumbs under my table or whatever those lines were before communion. And, um, and so this was more real. This was the one I was hoping was there in terms of a divine connection that was going to keep me at peace um, and keep me aligned with what I did want. And that was not what I was afraid I would be losing or would never have and would just be alone on this horrible abyss of adversity and, and not have what I need. And I was proven right. There was a lot of grace in that avenue. Yeah. And um, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't like I didn't bawl my eyes out or rail against it. The other thing I would point out to your listeners is give up resistance. Give up the need to control or say this isn't happening to me. Um, you're going to have opinions about all of this. You're going to have real feelings about it. If you can let go, it's going to flow. It's the resistance almost causes like a knot right in your, I don't know, what is that? Your sternum, you're right around your heart, but it's like almost a little higher than that for me. And then the, the gut punch when you get bad news, of course. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a period of shock, of upset. But I, I mean, when I had, when I found out that I was going to have chemo and I knew what the side effects were I was like I don't want to do this you know um, I remember my husband at the time was about to walk out the door and I had just learned we had just driven home from this meeting with a surgeon and he's telling me I can't have any more children don't plan on having any more children right now that would be unwise we don't know if you're going to live and so it felt like this baby was ripped out of my arms that I already had picked names for you know in my mind if it was a boy or a girl and the now I've got to have chemo. And it was just, and then my husband had just shared, well, I, it's just as well, I didn't want another baby. You know, foreshadow to the idea that I'm not going to be married to him much longer either. So wow. I had a lot that I didn't like in that meeting. And I just yelled that out. I don't want to do this. And he just turned to me really calmly and said, well, you have to. Hmm. And yeah, we don't have a whole lot of alternatives um, when something is facing us like that. So we can ask ourselves, who do we need? Who do I need to be in this situation? It may be something I've never had to use before. And I want to remind people too, it's good to have support. I had support with a social worker, um, at the Cancer Institute, I had a, a group of other women that were going through breast cancer also. That was amazing. So I really want to encourage listeners too, when you are going through such a severe anguish time mm -hmm. to find some help. And, the, and there are resources where you're not going to have to spend a ton you know, I heard you say at first you were just downloading, right? So were you even intentional? Like, was it even your intention to say, or like, how do I say this? When you were downloading and writing down, like in the beginning of, of 
of what you were saying about the chemo and the different choices of medical appointments and things like that. Was it even in your thought process what you were doing or was it just, I need to get it off my chest. I need to get it on paper. And was it not till later on that you noticed, Hey, this was a great thing that I was doing. Yeah. You know, that is, yeah, sorry. Cause sometimes like, sometimes we don't know until years later that, Oh my God, these were gifts. And it sounded like you started off by just downloading, but quickly you realized that, Hey, this is going to help me. That is a great observation. And, you know, I had to almost smile inwardly when you were talking about how did you just start writing like that? And I have to share uh, that I was an administrative assistant. I was always taking notes at meetings and, um, you know, I just almost can't help myself, you know, and take notes. Um, and, and so that was even when I got my uh, bad news on that uh, invasive cancer diagnosis, I had had um, uh, a bad diagnosis on, I at first had an easy diagnosis on my left breast, and that one was settled right away. The right breast, it was just an exam to follow up on the operation on the left breast, and the um, oncologist says, has anybody talked to you about the lump in your right breast? Mm. So that's where I was, that's where things really hit the fan, and um, it was invasive. It had started to go into the lymph nodes, and um, here I get the news and I wasn't, I was only allowing myself to believe that it was just the same as the left breast. Like the, the, the surgeon, when he did this, the biopsy described it as worrisome. And I said, oh, worrisome. How can I make that word? Okay. How mm -hmm. can I delude myself? <laughs> and, uh, and I said, oh, well, it's probably just means that it's, ex it's definitely what I had in the left breast, which was like, stage zero so we think I, about things and our perception. yeah it's yeah it wow. just was a that, that was the way I could sleep at night until I got the information and then I hear it's invasive and I checked out but the administrative assistant in me just kept taking the notes okay it's it's lobular and ductal carcinoma and yeah blah 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 you know I'm just writing it out and um and then when he finished, you know, he's telling me I've got to go in for another surgery. And that one didn't get it all either, I found out. And then I had to go get another one. And I um, I just, I think that that's when I noticed, especially when I go back and read the notes um, back in my home and have to weigh everything out, that's where I started to find resonance in certain things. So Susan, I agree. It's, it's what writing is a great way, even if you don't enjoy write the writing process, it's a great way to let your feelings out. Mm -hmm. um, most of my listeners know that, you know, when I went through grief, it took me 12 years to start to let my feelings out. And I didn't find the gifts in the moment. I think it was so wise of you when you were doing that. And you were even without knowing intentionally, you know, I'm downloading, I'm doing all of these things. It's so, it's something I think more people would, would do, like would benefit from doing that. It's okay to let your feelings out in the moment, because I think if I didn't do that, and I think if I had done that and just downloaded, maybe it just would have helped me process. It's be kind to myself. It doesn't, it doesn't, 
nothing cures grief nothing cures or makes cancer great (laughs) right or or, you know makes you feel good about somebody leaving that you've been with you know and you share your life with nothing is gonna is gonna make that feel better but I think giving yourself that kindness it really it does maybe help a little bit you know and that's what we're here like nothing that we say today is going to take everybody's pain away Mm -hmm. but the fact that we can open our minds and say, we can really find gifts from this. That to me is amazing. You know, we were talking about hope earlier on. And I think finding the gems, finding the gifts in these times of horrible things that happen to everybody has things that happen to us that make us feel lonely, make us feel unworthy, that make us, I always say that break us sometimes, because sometimes we do feel like we're never going to come back from this, you know? Yeah, and you were yeah. saying how, can I just have a year off? It's like, when there's one thing after another, you you lose your ground that you're standing on. You don't know what's up, what's down. Yeah. So I love that you help people find the gifts in tragedy, because I don't think people even can admit that there's gifts. Like, what do you mean there's something good that's going to come out of this? And I don't want people to think that you're going to find them all right away. Mm. You know, there is a period of time that creates distance and you start to get some insight and some reflection. The things that came to me, uh, I would say a couple of years later, was just how badly I thought of myself. I had terrible, terrible self-esteem. I really thought I was just here to hold the world together and um, you know, I didn't even put myself on the list. Uh, you know, they say, you know, put yourself at the top of the list and, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup and all of that. I didn't get that memo. And so I just thought I was here to, you know, make everybody else feel better. And, uh, here I was, you know, ducking out with a cancer diagnosis and it really added up to, um, you know, how disease is created. Many horrible things in our lives are really a springboard for awareness. And I would not have considered um, how I was thinking about myself, what low to none expectations for my life other than, gee, hope I have a house, hope I have a kid, be nice to be married. (laughs) And, And nothing beyond that. So yeah, a couple of years and I was started and I knew I was cancer free. And that was the first burst of, oh man, I want to travel. I want to, you know, have fun, but I still had a job that was really boring. And like, I called it my corporate cubicle job. And it really, um, I, here I am a single mom. I'm not going to quit my job. I think, oh no, you know, I've got to have those benefits. <laughs> I've got, I've got to pay the mortgage. And, you know, it was really um, not even, and yet I'd still feel it. Like there'd be this little voice that would say, how much longer do we have to do this? Like I was some some group in me, (laughs) Hey, we quit. We don't want to do this. Why do you keep walking into this building? Right. Mm. And, and I longed for the fun in my life. I wanted fun. I wanted freedom, but I didn't see how those two things could happen until I was laid off. (laughs) And that was the other boom. Okay. All right. If I can, I've got a severance and now can I find something I love to do? And even then I was afraid to go too big. I thought, well, 
you know, I just won't work in financial. I can still do marketing, but I'll do it for holistic stuff because I love, I've learned so much about my body and how I really want to live my life going forward for my health. And it really wasn't right away like, oh, I'll be a life coach. I'm going to help people, you know. It really was a process. Uh, and I, when I did sign up for life coaching after my second layoff, hello, universe, trying to get my attention. <laughs> that's not it. Let's get her out of there. Um, that's when I talked to somebody. Something came up on my Facebook page that said, would you like to be a speaker, a teacher, a coach? I said, yeah, click. And um, I learned about this program that spoke about everything I'd kind of learned going through cancer, that you create your own reality, that you can overcome any odd, any odds against you. There really is, it's, it's, if it's good or bad, it's, it's really what you say it is that makes it real to you or not. You know, so she was just going on about things. I'm going, hey, you're speaking my language. I'm going to click again and find out who I need to talk to. Well, I got that far and we're having a great conversation. And then she tells me, how much it's going to cost me to do it. And I um, remember like my credit card shaking in my hand because I'm living on severance at this point and looking for a job again. <laughs> uh -huh. But I, I did it. I, I said, I know it's my fear talking. And I, I gave her the card. I, my knees were knocking. I wanted to throw up. And I got off the phone call. I sat down and I said, I did the right thing. And if we only could get through that awful moment, um, because I want to tell you, that felt like adversity too. And isn't that interesting that uh, the adversity of cancer, the adversity of divorce, of losing a loved one, they call upon us to pull out something we didn't know we had. Now, what if we all did that? for something we wanted mm. that we tell ourselves we can't have we're going to we're going to fail we're going to lose all our money you know whatever the story is we're telling ourselves if we saw you know we were we had to be brave or we were just going to fall in, in, and turn melt into a puddle right or we we did the best we could we brought as much as we could to that situation and we came out of it. We didn't love it. We didn't think anything of it at the time until you get a little further, mm -hmm. which is what I was uh, talking about. You know, a couple years later, you're starting to say, hey, I got some stuff out of this. I didn't, no one walks away empty handed from an adversity unless they just decide to live in it. If you can see who was I? Who, what was my role in this, in this uh, event, you know, was what did it bring out in me? Like before I had a life of low self-esteem, low expectations, longing, and discontent. Afterwards, I had excitement because I almost lost my life. I did decide that living was good. I was going to do that and that I was going to live even better and have more fun. And my husband at the time did me the biggest favor because if I had stayed with somebody who had depression and I was codependent with that depression, I would have had more of the same and struggled to find my way to have what I said 
I was going to have after I came through cancer. I really don't know if I'd be alive if I stayed in that marriage. I think whatever caused that cancer was a loss of hope mm. and, and poor eating habits and whatever else. Um, but I didn't get that right away. That took a little reflection. That took some distance. So I want listeners to know they don't have to have it all figured out to know that it's going to be okay. And that's where staying in touch with those insights and, and asking yourself those kind of questions, going for walks, even swimming in a swimming pool, there's something meditative about certain things we do. Music, you've mentioned that too. These things take us out of our to-do list and into some reflection. And that's where we get these insights. And these things are like the little launch pad into things that are new for us. And that's where we can dream. Mm. It's so easy to be stuck in the day-to-day -day and how we live our lives that sometimes it takes something huge to wake us up or several things, you know, like I can see you, I've had a moment like that too. So when you were talking about, you know, you've got the credit card, it's shaking, you know, you want to invest in yourself, but you're like, I can't really. And then, you know, and then at that moment, you just take a risk and you take a chance. And I think a lot of us just play too safe sometimes. Yeah. And if we don't take that risk and become uncomfortable, sometimes our growth stops. And I think it does start when we become uncomfortable and we're taking that little risk. And in that moment, that was great self-care, right? So you took a chance on yourself. You're like, what if this doesn't work? But what if it does? I'll never know until I do it. And I think that that's brave, you know, to do it that because yeah. we're just talking about it here. But when you think of your own situation, you know, with you, you had a small, you had a young child, you were just mm -hmm. laid off. Like when you actually think about what that means or what that feels like, because sometimes we, we talk about things, you know, in conversation and in interviews and just day to day life. And we kind of rush by them and we don't really think sitting. How does that really feel for somebody? Right. We talk about death, we talk about this, we talk about loss of jobs and, and divorce and all these things. And each of the things you went through is so big in itself. Had just one of those things happened, you know, it still would have been tough, you know, and you had one after the other after the other. And do you ever think back and say, what if I didn't? What if I didn't take that chance on myself? Where would I be now? What if my husband didn't leave and nothing changed like you said you know sometimes what we feel comes out in our health as you know yes. learning about holistic and you just don't know what if you're I hate to say this but what if the cancer came back because of all of these things we bury we don't take care of ourselves and yeah. I just you know on this show we talk a lot about self-care and one of the things that I love is that you also believe that self-care isn't selfish and self-care can mean a lot of different things to a lot of people and when you were talking about the credit card in that moment I've been there <laughs> it's kind of like I could I'm like oh my god I had the same thing happen and mm -hmm. I was like in that moment you're like oh still afraid once you, you you know you put the payment through and you're still afraid but then after you had that conversation and you're like oh my god this feels so right for me yeah. you know sometimes you can give so much that you lose yourself and I'm all about giving back. So the fact that 
that moment happened for you is amazing. I love hearing about that because in that moment, you knew that you would be able to give more by giving to yourself, right? Right. So I love that. Yeah. And what if we could all get more comfortable with those moments and just say, that is the toll booth. That's the toll booth to what I want. Mm. And yet, you know, anybody else who could have seen it, you know, just on paper would have said, wow, that is so irresponsible. You're a mother and you're using your, you know, what are you doing? You know, um, what if we could all just say, that is my toll booth. These uncomfortable feelings are really like a toll booth. And it's, it's that phrase, you know, when you talk about self-care, that phrase, I, it really says it all that you can't pour from the empty cup and yet we try what I describe that as I'm, I'm a, a girl with many analogies or metaphors <laughs> is um, it's like squeezing out that last bit of toothpaste onto the toothbrush you know I've got it just enough more to make dinner or whatever it is you know and then I gotta go to bed okay you need help with your homework okay <laughs> you know so it's um it's really um, necessary. It's not a luxury. It's necessary. And it's the best way you're going to be here. And you mentioned, you know, what if he didn't uh, leave me? And what if I didn't have this job? And I was given an awesome, I went to a writer's workshop. And they said, write a story of something that didn't happen to you. Mm. And I picked this moment where I had come through cancer and my mate, this is the, this is the true part of the story. He offered to stay and be a father to our son, but no longer a husband to me. Mm. And in reality, I said, you know, I didn't fight for my life to have this for my life. I, mm. I couldn't accept that. So in the story I did, I, I wrote out the whole thing and in it, I got cancer again and I passed away. But I mean, there were so many layers to this that I, you know, separate rooms. I talked about how we would have lived and blah, blah, blah. And when I got done reading it to the group, they're like, oh my God, did that really happen? I'm like, no, I'm still here. See, I'm still alive. What a great exercise. <laughs> it was, it really showed me and it showed me, wow, I just definitely made the right decision and it's interesting before before he really left the home because he didn't leave right away after um after he said he wanted to and it was you know financial trying to figure it out get the the uh just find it oh gosh it's a pain so um he was there and it was still even you know living with somebody who doesn't want you anymore that's not fun uh so just as he was um I'd say four months before he actually left, I found a, a lump in my only like remaining breast. And I was like, oh no, you know, I went to all the trouble to have like reconstructive surgery and, you know, all this other stuff. And I've got this only one real one left and it's got a lump in it. So I had a biopsy and I was just like, this guy's got to go. I've, I can't live like this, you know, and I'm sure there's more to it than that, but it just raised the red flag for me mm. that um, I've got to, I've got to put things right for me. And it's hard. It's hard to find the energy when you don't have any left to give, 
it's very tough, but it's almost like, okay, survival mode. I need things to change. Yeah. What do you, what do, you do for self-care now? Like, I know we both agree that self-care isn't selfish. It's so necessary. Yeah. It's necessary for us, for our children, for the people around us. What do you do like day to day for your own self-care, Susan? This is going to sound counterintuitive, but I actually get up earlier <laughs> because I love to have time for myself. And I just start by stretching in the morning and doing some meditation and journaling. Sometimes I'll do affirmations or I'll go for a walk and it centers me for the day. You know, I have a oh, warm drink and watch the sun come up or whatever it is, but it's that I'm having that moment and nobody's interrupting it. And it sets the tone for the day because I can, I can decide, you know, uh, sometimes I'll visualize like how my day is going to go. Even like my interview with you here today is going fabulous. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I love to set the tone, but also like, almost put my hand on my own heart mm -hmm. and take that moment with myself. Um, and, and it doesn't, you don't need a lot of time to do that. If you could just commit to you, you know, when I say you listeners and all, um, commit to just the 15 minutes and don't let anyone know you're up. <laughs> and the more <laughs> Try you to make do it, it a secret. Yeah. yeah um, it might be hard at first, but the more you do it, the more you want it. And you and need your it. body looks forward to it. Yeah. It's just like, whoop, it's 6 a.m. or it's quarter to six. Come on. Um, and and you know who wrote a fabulous book is Hal Elrod, The Miracle Morning. And he uses it for motivation and going after goals. But if you do nothing else with it, you're gonna set a tone for your day. And it does inspire the rest of your day to look so much better. You have more patience on my list. for I your see. family. Yeah, You're, I'm just better at how I speak with my spouse, my elderly father, you know, mm -hmm. even my dog. I'm just a and better yourself. person and myself. Yeah, so much more patience. So that is my top uh, recommendation is because that's, the, I think, the easiest one to do. The other things would be, yeah, I do go and get a massage. I do take Epsom salt baths and, uh, and I need to get out and have fun and watch like, even if it's not like a funny movie or something, I love to laugh. Um, being in nature, that is a huge one for me. And, um, I think when you're going through, you know, we were talking about grief earlier, I couldn't get outside enough. Mm -hmm. I think there's something so healing, whether it's being by the ocean, in the woods, you know, those are moments. Um, seeing this beautiful color of green or blue, um, watching animals, uh, you know, even beautiful insects like butterflies, it really is a timeout. Your brain is, is taking its time with you. Mm. It's interesting that you say that because I haven't shared this on the show before, but um, after my father died, you know, I was driving through some back roads. He's about an hour from me and it was this cornfield and the sun was just, I don't know, blue was just so blue. I was having a really tough time and I stopped on the side of the road and I just, I, something in that moment, I just had to feel like something was bigger than my what I was going through because it was just so big and I went through the field the cornfield by myself and just sat down on the floor and looked up oh marvelous and 
just cried, you know, mm. and I just felt like, oh my God, you know, to me, this is everything, but there's a world out there with other people going through the same thing. It's not, my life isn't going to break, you know, and I just, in that moment, just kind of got centered and felt not the, my problem just seemed not as big in the whole scheme of things. And it just allowed me to come off of that edge a little bit, you know, and sometimes we go, I don't know, sometimes it was just, I would pause at a streetlight and the song would come on mm. and it's just, sometimes I would listen to, especially when I was grieving, I would listen to music that was not in English. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want to, I didn't want to hear what they were singing about. It was like the chanting and the music. And I mean, I love everything from heavy metal to, you know, like classical, everything. And kind of play what's my mood, you know, at the moment. But sometimes when I just want to feel and I don't want to really listen to the words or I don't want to listen to something I've heard before, because then, I don't know, it's just when you hear something for the first time, you can just let yourself feel like the music the notes the pauses all of those things and it just grounded me a little bit yeah. but like you said sometimes you don't see the gifts for years after well i loved the um experience you shared in the cornfield and what i pictured and this is the earth this is our mother earth is you're being held and it's it's beautiful, soulful energy. It's an entity of its own and you're on the ground and it's supporting you. Mm. It's, it's emotionally supporting you too, not just supporting your body. And then you have the corn up and, and, and casing you and holding you also. And then this bl beautiful blue sky reminding you that you matter and we see you down there you know there's just so much to that scene that is so gorgeous i didn't want anybody to miss that that was just so gorgeous well, it felt like i was being swallowed by the cornfields but also mm. let free at the same time it was very mm. surreal and yeah yeah it was just allow yourself to to do things that you don't normally do in your day-to-day -day life get away and you outside. can't get that in your bedroom nelia you no. got to be outside with that that is an energy that in it, it centers us. And that's why people hug trees. Mm. That's why people sit at the base of a tree and they picture their roots, their spine growing down with the roots into uh, the earth because these are energetic healings mm. and, and that's free. You know, that doesn't cost yeah. you what 150 an hour or whatever. So yeah. that, that is beautiful. So there are many moments. So the day-to-day -day of getting up earlier and giving yourself that time, but that like when you're going through an adversity and you can get outside, you can get by a beautiful body of water, or I just love the forest too, but even the, uh, being on granite rocks or there's just so many barefoot. beautiful ways, barefoot, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. In and of course, to, let's not yeah. forget awesome friends. I'm sorry. No. I was going to say, let's not forget awesome loved ones. Uh, people who, getting hugs. Oh my God. I need, I needed lots of hugs when I was going through grief. And some people are going to disappoint you. Let's, you know, that's something you may have heard too. People can, the people you thought were going to be there, sometimes they can't do it for whatever reason. They don't have the equipment. There's something 
that makes it impossible for them to show up for you the way you thought they would. But in their place, your mind is blown by these people that do show up. And um, I think that balanced things out for me. And that's the part of COVID that was very hard for me. Yeah. And for many of us, you know, people who had never felt mental health issues before, who had never been, you know, challenged with these things for the first time in their life, didn't know how to deal with stuff because they had never, you know, really experienced that. And it was horrible, like the amount of people who lost their lives. But I kept thinking of the people that were left behind, knowing that they couldn't be with their loved ones, knowing the loneliness and and the lack of human connection, you know? So to me, self-care is all those things. It's also like, I love that you mentioned the hugging and it's just caring about other people and caring mm -hmm. about yourself and putting up boundaries, right? Like when all those things happen to you, or for you, however you want to. Yeah, for yeah, at the time it's two, um, but yeah, it's four. <laughs> but all those things happened. Um, it's so overwhelming. But when you can see the gifts, it allows you to also create boundaries, right? For your new relationships. Like when you end, oh yeah, like and prioritize things, and that's all self-care too, not letting people walk all over you, doing things that you want to do for yourself. Yes. What I would add to that, Nalia, is only if you understand what your part is in that relationship. Mm -hmm. Like if I still didn't understand that I was codependent with people who had depression, I'd find another one. <laughs> I know how to do this. And I'm sure you're much nicer than, than that last guy. <laughs> you know? And uh, so, yeah, we have to understand our part in that so we can say, oh, oh, I get it. I don't have to do that anymore. Oh, I, never I can take that. Never yeah, that before. I don't have to do that anymore. I can, I can choose again with awareness because that's what we're after. It's the awareness of our gifts, right? What the awareness of, you know, what we're getting out of the deal, because it was a crummy deal at the time. And um, what our role was perhaps in the life that led up to it. Mm. And then what are the new choices we want to make? You know, if I'm doing it, I get a do over, right? Mm. And so if I get to choose, if I were guaranteed a win, what would that look like? Well, it's not going to look like a lot of the junk I was leaving. So what is it? that's where it's good to get out that journal again. Yeah, absolutely. There's no one wants bad stuff to happen to them, but we're all gonna, no one can escape it. Like, you, you know, can the try, more, but uh, yeah, yeah, you can more, delay it. <laughs> delaying it is even worse. I delayed Isn't for 12 it? years and not yeah. only was I still left with the grief, but all of these new problems. So yeah, don't delay, you know, um, no. it's hard. It's hard to go through things and but when you can find the gems, you know, it's so important to find them because it helps you move forward. That's the key. And, and that's it. It's, it's what I call the gift and crappy wrapping paper. <laughs> so it really is um, something that takes a little discovery, unwrapping, right? Through the icky wrapping paper, I love if that. we're going to go with that analogy. So um, it, it's something that you'd never asked for. But like I said, you don't walk away empty handed. There's something in that, that you showed yourself or it's trying to show you. It was never ever meant to keep you 
in that awful spot. Mm. You know, the death of someone, the uh, loss of a limb, I'll just use that as something. You know, it was never meant to say, oh, you're screwed for the rest of your life. You know, that's it for you. You know, yeah. never meant for that. Um, and it takes some, it takes some thought. It takes some reflection. Then it takes a plan. And then it takes action. Yeah, all the well wishes in the world isn't going to put the, put the work in for sure. Yeah. I can just from our conversation today, I've learned so much from you and I've just, you know, just reiterate that people need to be there for one another too. And it, it's life is so hard to, to go through and to do it alone. Um, it's really tough. So yes, you need to ask for what you want. I know you we briefly talked about it earlier, but if you're not kind to yourself, it doesn't matter what people around you think of you, say about you, you know, do for you. If you're going to be down about who you are and just, oh, I'm doomed now. You know, if we don't change the way that we think, we can't find the gems. And that's where people get stuck. I think a lot of people um, need, need help, need people like you to work with them so that you can help them. I love, you know, and I so respect, and I say this a lot on the show because the guests that I bring on, I always say are the best guests, but you know, I always respect people who have been through something and turned that into their life's work because, you know, not only do you have the training behind that, and that's fantastic. I prefer to work with somebody who has been through it themselves because that you can't learn about that in a book so the fact that you do that now and you found what you're really meant to do I think it's fantastic I think it's great that you're here and that you're helping other people do the same uh, I love what I do uh it, it really it's it's a privilege I think that's the word I would use it's an absolute privilege to be a witness and a guide because I'm learning from my client too. They are coming up with these realizations and I'm the witness to it. I'm like, did you hear what you just said? You know, and I'm like, I got to write that down. I'm going to, that's, yeah, that's going, I'm using that. Um, that is the privilege of the work, the joy of the work. And also the inspiration that I get every time I get to talk to someone. I love it so much. I can tell. I can tell your your heart is in what you do. Mm, yeah. Is there anything we didn't talk about today that you want to mention before we end our uh, on our beautiful conversation? Although we, I know we could talk forever, but yeah, I I just it just came in almost like a little whisper in my ear. Don't wait. Mm. Don't wait. If there's still something that you know, even if it's been years and you feel like you're still living in that awful time. And that uh, I know people like that. They had a horrible betrayal in their life and they're never going to love again. Uh, they've they vowed, you know, that there's just nobody um, worth being that vulnerable with again. That's, that's one thing I've definitely seen. I say, don't wait. You know, you don't want to look back on your life uh, as you're coming to the close of it. And we never do really know when the close is, right? And we've seen that with COVID. Um, don't wait. Look now. Get help now and write yourself a beautiful future. You do not have to resign yourself to more of the same. 
and anything you don't like. There is a voice in there that's been trying. It's probably getting suppressed, like, go away. I can't do what you're asking me to do. That was mine. How much longer do we have to do this? Let's have some fun. Um, go away. I've got to work nine to five and sit in this cubicle. Don't talk to me. So, um, yeah. I just want to encourage everyone that it's never too late. I don't care how old you are, how long it's been. You will never regret working on yourself and choosing for yourself. Thank you. That's amazing. There's always a before and after, mm -hmm. you know, we're made of more than just one part. Like, yeah, the difference is amazing. When you think of how your life was before certain thinking and after and then you just want everybody to know that so that they can do the same, right? Life yeah, is too it, short. Yeah, you you said it. It's it's true. Once you figure it out, once I had that kind of happiness and I realized I didn't have to stay where I was, it's like, you know, you you, th you feel like you made this discovery that nobody else has made and you've got to be like, you know, land ho. <laughs> <laughs> you got to come with me. I can show you. I found you a new because... continent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people don't have to suffer, you know, it's like, come, I'll show you how I did it. Because, you know, it's not about doing all the things perfect. It's just about being human and about wanting that, that feeling of just helping each other, you know, of course, when we succeed, it's, it's like, if I go on a trip, and I had a fantastic time, I want everybody to come to that exact place, do the exact thing I did to experience that thing, you know, and it's just yeah. so funny how life works out sometimes. Don't worry. I just thought about just the last little tagline for what of you course. just said is go through the toll booth, <laughs> go through that toll booth. It's, it's what I invited you to do with not waiting doesn't mean it's not going to cost you anything. Mm. All right. But it's worth it. <laughs> yes. Shake with the credit card, but take the risk because you just never know. Right. That's right. That's right. So I'll let you close now. Thank no, you so okay. much. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, no, I, I really did love our conversation today. And thanks everybody for listening. And, you know, Susan's got a book coming out and she's going to let me know where everybody can I get will. it once it's out. And she's also starting a podcast. So yes, I'm I very... just shared that for the first time with Nelia here. Yeah. I'm very excited. So we'll keep you guys posted because not only does she have a beautiful voice, easy to listen to, but she's got such incredible things that I know she she wants to talk about. So yeah, I'd love to put that out there once it's ready. And, it, you know, I'm excited for you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm I'm delighted. And uh, yeah, I already said Nelia's back on my program for sure. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> so where can we find you? Can you let us know all of yes. your, uh, your website? And Sure, sure. So website is super easy. It's SusanDeLorenzo.com, S-U-S-A-N-D-E-L-O-R-E-N-Z-O.com. And if you wish to reach out to me, I'm at Susan at SusanDeLorenzo.com. You can also find me on a Facebook page that is facebook.com forward slash dream coach Susan. So those are a few places. Uh, and that's where I usually share some form of inspiration. And I'll be, of course, you know, keeping people posted when that beloved day of that book coming out. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, on the podcast. So thanks so much, Nelia. It was really great to be with you. Oh, thank you so much. I can't wait to support you and all of the things that you're doing. I, I really think it's fantastic. I love your message. And uh, I'm so glad they were able to together, you know, in this conversation, talk about how, 
self-care isn't selfish and how you can find the beauty. Even if you can't see it at the moment, you can find the beauty in all things. And if it takes a while, it's okay. The most important thing is to not shut it down, not shut down the possibility that there can be something good at the end of the pain, right? Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.